Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Sunday service. A special welcome to our guests who are here and also those sharing with us on the internet. Uh, my name, for those who don't know me, is Nayaswami Anandi. This is Nayaswami Bharat. And uh, we hope you had a beautiful Thanksgiving and happy Hanukkah. We, I heard that Hanukkah and Thanksgiving will not come together in this way for another 76,000 years. <laughs> don't hold your breath. <laughs> this morning's reading is from Rays of the One Light, which are weekly commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita, written by Swami Kriyananda. And this week's reading is called The Law of Karma, Bondage or Soul Release. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. The epistle of St. Paul to the Galatians contains this oft-quoted statement. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. In Autobiography of a Yogi, Paramahansa tells a story from the life of the Banaras saint, Trilanga Swami. A skeptic once determined to expose Trilanga as a charlatan. A large bucket of calcium lime mixture used in whitewashing walls was placed before the Swami. Master, the materialist said in mock reverence, I have brought you some clabbered milk. Please drink it. Trilanga unhesitated unhesitatingly drained to the last drop the container full of burning lime. In a few minutes, the evildoer fell to the ground in agony. Help, Swami, help, he cried. I am on fire. Forgive my wicked test. The great yogi broke his habitual silence. Scoffer, he said, you did not realize when you offered me poison that my life is one with your own. Except for my knowledge that God is present in my stomach, as in every atom of creation, the lime would have killed me. Now that you know the divine meaning of boomerang, never again play tricks on anyone. The well-purged sinner, healed by Trilonga's words, slunk feebly away. Yogananda goes on to say, The reversal of pain was not due to any volition of the master, but came about through unerring application of the law of justice, which upholds creation's farthest swinging orb. Men of God-realization like Trilanga allow the divine law to operate instantaneously, They have banished forever all thwarting cross-currents of ego. Not by reason alone, but by self-realization, are the ins and outs of destiny fully understood. Their web, though tied forever to the post of ego motivation, is too intricate to be perceived as a single thread. 
Only great masters can see it with clarity. It is visible to them in all its workings, not from within the tangle, but from above in superconsciousness. As Sri Krishna said in the fourth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, he who beholds inaction in action and action in inaction is wise among men. He is one with the spirit. He has attained the true goal of action, perfect freedom. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Good morning. I'd like to read from Whispers from Eternity. Father, from joy I came, from joy I live, in joy will I melt again. Thou art sacred, perennial joy. Thou art the joy I seek. Thou art the everlasting joy of the soul. Teach me to worship thee through the joy born of meditation. Balance my worship with good actions and teach me to shun all false pleasures which siren-like call to me through my misguided senses. Our reading today uh, reminded me when I was a, a, a small boy, uh, I had uh, three other brothers and uh, there was a lot of mischief in the Cornell household. And uh, I always had the thought that if you didn't get caught, there was no trace. Uh, and of course that goes against karmic law. And uh, <laughs> when um, Anandi and I got together, uh, my Aunt Gertrude, she said to Anandi, now, Joseph, he always looked really innocent, but he was always the one behind every mischief. <laughs> Swami Kriyananda uh, says in the Bhagavad Gita uh, that uh, the soul de- develops a strategy, and it's a strategy that works for a while. And because it works for a while, we keep on using that strategy. And we keep on using it. And after a while, that strategy is not viable for us. Uh, But then we keep using that strategy. And he says it takes a long time to break the soul from uh, that habitual pattern. And then, of course, karmic challenges come along. And uh, uh, we meet them head on. And what uh, the karma is telling us is that uh, I've come for you to change. Uh, Swami Kriyananda said that karma is a blessing of divine love. And it's, uh, if you can imagine, a ball here, and uh, that's our spiritual center, and it's tied to uh, a piece of string. And if that ball, if you go off in this direction, what's going to happen? It's going to swing back over to the right, isn't it? Uh, now, because um, God doesn't want you to leave the center, because if, if there wasn't duality, what would happen? We would just keep on going and going and going, uh, and uh, we're, but we're drawing back. And, but we have so much motion in our lives, uh, and, uh, and so we can't come back to the center 
of our being, and we sing back to compensate. We have to understand the consequences uh, of our actions. And so we, we just keep swinging back and forth, back and forth. Um, there's, uh, for every action of ours, there's a karmic consequence. I read where pendulum clocks, sometimes it takes them a million swings to slow down. And when you think of the soul having millions of incarnations, it just takes a long time before we come back to the center. Master said that we have no one else to blame. We, we create every circumstance in our life. And we may, we may want to blame other people, but uh, uh, we're the, the, the creator. God said that, uh, or Paramahansa Yogananda said that God, as a soul, as made in his image, has given us the right and the ability to create in our life. It's just that we don't create so well. <laughs> and we, we, you know, we, we create wrongly, but it's, 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 a, it's, it's a soul knowledge that we, we perfect over time. And the best way to overcome our karma is to accept it calmly and cheerfully. And isn't that the definition of a yogi? Uh, and in the Bhagavad Gita, it, it says, uh, Sri Krishna says to Arjuna that you've overcome the carping spirit and now I'll give you God. Well, I looked up the definition of carping and uh, different words for carping are belly aching, grousing, <laughs> and uh, complaining incessantly, and on and on. There were about like 10 of them. <laughs> and that doesn't define a yogi. Um, and uh, what, uh, there's a, um, a beautiful story of a, a Sherpa who helped a mountain climber from, I think it was Chicago. Uh, he was on the trip to uh, uh, Mount Everest. And they, uh, they made the ascent, and everybody was okay, and they were having sort of a celebration afterwards in the village of, of the Sherpas where they all came. And, um, and in the kind of the glee of the success of the climb, they said, you must come to America uh, with us. And so um, uh, a couple days later, they were all at the airport, and the little Sherpa had a little bag, and he was ready to go to America. And they said, well, do you have your passport? Um, do you have your visa? And he looked at him kind of puzzled. Uh, and, uh, and so he couldn't go to America. But about six months later, they brought him to America. And his plane landed in Los Angeles. And uh, uh, he had friends uh, pick them up. This, this climber was a doctor and uh, a new colleague in Los Angeles. And his wife took him immediately to Disneyland. And uh, he went to Disneyland. He met Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse and Minnie, too. Uh, and, uh, and so they were very curious on, well, what was his experience? What did you think? Uh, what did you think? And, uh, and he, uh, the woman that had picked him up was named Susie, and the Sherpa said, Susie's very nice. And that's all he said. And then he went to Chicago, and being a Sherpa, he carried the doctor's bag around when he went into surgery and, uh, and that. And, but uh, the, the Sherpa was very puzzled because in America... Everybody asked him, well, do you like this? What do you think about this? And they had a saying, uh, they have a saying in, in Nepal, it's K. Garnet, what is, is. And he couldn't understand why everybody was getting into their likes and dislikes. <laughs> and the, the Sherpas are just noted for their even cheerful temperament. And uh, it's because... Um, 
they aren't always stepping outside of themselves. Uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson said that a beautiful, cell, a beautiful soul always dwells in a beautiful world. And uh, when you think of the ego, the ego is trying to create a world all of, it, all of, all of its own, uh, just all around itself. And you can, can you imagine the struggle that takes place when you're trying to change outer reality into your egoic wishes? You know, this is where our problems come from. Uh, and I had an experience in, uh, when I was a student at Chico State University. It was during the time of the Vietnam War. And I wanted there to be peace in the world like so many uh, of us. And so I majored in international relations. And I uh, thought I could work for world peace. And, and then I read uh, in uh, doing a research report that uh, the uh, premier of Germany said, I don't want war, but I want to make sure we get what we want. Uh, and then I realized that world peace wasn't going to be that easy because uh, people are acting out of uh, self-interest. And then I, um, uh, I was sitting uh, uh, on campus along the Chico Creek and I had this uh, experience that so many of us have had that have got us on the path. But just this real feeling of vibrant, vibrant calmness. And it just lasted uh, with me for several hours. And uh, I said to myself, this is real peace. This is something that you could work towards or, or share with other people. And uh, I saw that the world didn't need changing. The world was perfect. And uh, what my job uh, and what every soul's job is, is to harmonize with that perfection and to serve that perfection and try to commune as much as one can with that perfection. Uh, because uh, you know, th- that's really what we're trying to do, that all the motion that's going on, Swami Kriyananda in a talk on how to commune with God uh, says that so often people in prayer, they ask God, well, do you want me to do this? How, how about this? Or, oh boy, wouldn't this be fun to do? And, uh, and, and God uh, says, well, that would be nice. Uh, and yes, you can do that. But he said, really what God wants us to do is just to be, to be still and commune with his presence and not have so much motion in our lives. Well, I, I talked about um, being cheerful and even-minded as a way to overcome karma. Uh, it's because we're really acceptance. Uh, we're accepting uh, everything that happens. We aren't adding our own motion uh, to things. And we're, we're becoming more still in ourselves. Uh, and so uh, we have a chance to calm those swings of duality uh, and, uh, and uh, be more in tune with our spiritual center. There's a beautiful story I, I just read uh, in the um, newspaper it was about a, a Sikh man who uh, was uh, injured in uh, an attack of uh, racial violence. And in the Sikh tradition, uh, they uh, have a term, chardi kala, probably not pronouncing that right, but what it means is being always optimistic and, um, and always cheerful. And uh, that attitude, they say, is an expression of your contentment with the will of God, your, your acceptance of it. Well, uh, he, well, a year later after uh, the incident, he was still in his hospital bed, and uh, he couldn't move. And his sons were singing to him and saying the names of God. 
and uh, they would just fill his hours uh, doing that. Uh, and then uh, one of his sons uh, said to uh, Baba Punjab Sikh, uh, or Singh, excuse me, uh, um, you know, he said, are you, um, are you in Ch- uh, Chardi Kala? And uh, meaning optimism and, and cheerfulness. Well, um, uh, Baba Punjab, he, um, he couldn't communicate. Uh, only he, uh, by, he could only do it by blinking his eyes. Once was no, and twice was for yes. Well, uh, when he asked uh, uh, Papaji, are you in uh, optimism and cheerfulness? Uh, he blinked his eyes once. And then he blinked them again. And he was saying, yes, I'm in Chardi Kala. I'm in even-mindedness and cheerfulness. I'm anchored in God. And, you know, we, um, sometimes God takes everything away from us so that we realize that only he remains. Everything that we think is so important is gone in a moment. I mean, this happens to us every incarnation, doesn't it? At the end of our days. And so uh, this is why Swami Kriyananda has given us that visualization of just merging into the light and casting everything in the light so that we can have practice of just giving everything away, everything away. Uh, and uh, and uh, Paramahansa Yogananda said that, uh, you know, we, uh, we, as I said earlier, we create our karma. We're responsible for everything, every circumstance of our life. But he says there's a way out. And that uh, when we attune ourselves, attach ourselves to God, then what happens is that we go beyond karmic law. Karmic law is a world of energy, back and forth and back and forth. But God lies in the center. And when we come into that center, there's no movement. And, and karmic law isn't working, isn't operating. And even if we have um, a lot of karma left, once we figure out that it's only God that we want and we back that up in every moment of our life, then that karma can't touch us anymore. And in a rush, I mean, I think that's why there's, uh, there's a rush of kundalini. It's our whole life force just soaring up the spine to the spiritual eye and everything just gets carried along uh, through there. And, uh, and that's uh, all that karma, everything else just, just being freely offered up to God. God says, I'll take it all. There's no more point in this, you living in creation anymore. You figured out why I put you here so that you can have that understanding. Uh, Swami Kriyananda talks about the purpose of anything is to be done with it. <laughs> and so we, we want to do things and we want to do them well and we want to do them with the joy of God and to help other people come to God but we don't want to create more good karma. Because what is karma? Karma is, good karma is still motion. We're still moving. That sort of slows the real big swings of karma. And so uh, good actions uh, are always good because it calms uh, that uh, movement in ourselves. But eventually, that karma will have to go away too. Uh, Buddha, he was once asked, what have you gained from your meditations? And he gave a beautiful answer. He said, Nothing. But ask me what I've lost. I've lost my anger. I lost my judgment. And, you know, one can become proud of their meditations. 
And then all of a sudden you've gained something, but not what God intended. And so uh, but that's really the spirit of just, we're doing it for God and for our freedom. And this is why uh, the devotee uh, needs to work so hard. Because we're ch- uh, changing our mode of operation from self-interest to being intensely active for God. And uh, if we ever sort of complain a little bit of how busy we are, that's so that we can really get it in our mind that we're not acting for our own individual interests, but that we're through that intensive activity for God, if we just purify that tendency of the egos to refer things back to itself, think about what am I getting? What am I getting? What's coming to me? Uh, Dr. Peter and I, we had a, a fun experience uh, with Swami Kriyananda in India, uh, and we were um, uh, sort of hosting a dinner party, and we were both uh, footing the bill. And uh, Swami Kriyananda was sitting at the end of the table, and I was uh, next to him, and I think Peter was next to me or close to me. And they, of course, served uh, at the hotel, Swami Kriyananda first, and then they served all the ladies uh, and then they served the men, and uh, they went around. And by the, t- the first course, uh, when it came, I don't think Peter got anything, or he got just a little bit, but I know I didn't get any of the serving. Uh, and so that was fine. I was, I was feeling Swami's joy, and that was what uh, was important. And then the second course came around, and there wasn't anything for my plate. Uh, and usually if you think you're paying for a meal, you'd get something. <laughs> And, uh, and I, I sort of smiled at Swami, and Swami smiled at me like this. Uh, and then uh, the third course went around, and there wasn't anything for my plate at that time, too. And so Swami, he smiled, and he took a little portion from his plate and put it on my plate. And it was just such a, a blessing, because it just it came from God. Uh, and, uh, and just, I mean, it's easy to act right when you're in Swami Kriyananda's presence. <laughs> you know, but that's why it's, it's good for us to hang around, uh, you know, a saint and, uh, and uplifting vibrations. But what he was teaching uh, me in an easy situation to get uh, was that whatever comes of itself, let it come. That the only thing really matters is the bliss of God. And when we're in that bliss, Nothing else really does matter. Swami said, uh, when you commune with the own vibration, this whole world could burn up. And you could just, it just doesn't matter at all. Because you know that you're part of a greater reality. And that is your reality. And the more and more that we experience that in our meditation, in our service to others, more and more we can hang on to that. And more and more, uh, our actions will reflect that. And we won't get into, as Master said to Swami Kriyananda, we won't get into any mischief when Swami first arrived at uh, Mount Washington. And it, Swami was just repeating a mantra that one of the monks had, had been saying, and he went, uh, he went beyond body consciousness, and Swami thought, well, boy, that would be fun to do. Um, so it was an innocent uh, mischief on his part. But, you know, the... Uh, you know, really, it really comes down to uh, we can become free of karma when we rest in God and we rest in God's bliss and we affirm that. And uh, when every situation comes up, 
we can ask ourselves, is this taking me to more bliss in God? Or is it taking me away from it? And if we can just live by that simple principle and then always go to our higher interests, of course, is to feel the bliss of God, then we can nip that tendency in the bud and come very, very quickly to our beloved. Bless us all.